Okay, one more thing. And this is just, I believe, a, a simple prophecy that he's speaking for us, for all of us. I don't know, maybe it's specifically for some of you, maybe it's for all of us. It has to do with our hunger. Our hunger. And, and it was like there was this just yearning, this yearning, this hunger, this, this, this um, um, ravenous hunger is the word I wrote down in yearning. And as we have that deep yearning, we are calling unto him and connecting. Because that's what he's there for. Just like Fred said, when you just raise your hand and say, God, I'm here, he's there. Absolutely, and we're connecting. We're connecting with him. And he said, come, come to the table of the Lord, and I will satisfy your soul. Come, come to the table of the Lord, and I will satisfy your soul. So are you ready for a good meal? Did you come hungry? Because I think he's ready to feed us. (laughs) Okay, we're going to be doing lesson three today in our Bible study, The Great Exchange. So would you go ahead and open your Bible study? If you don't have one, we've got some you can borrow back on the table. Um, uh, Go ahead and just take one from the table. You're welcome to borrow it. We're going to talk about the lesson purpose, and then we'll go right into some scripture. We're going to be looking today at our authority as believers and how that authority was given to human kind at creation then it was tricked out of us by the enemy and the enemy had dominion until jesus came until jesus came and the redemptive gift of his death and his resurrection destroyed the works of the enemy and he gave us the authority back so we're going to be looking at a timeline tonight of dominion and we're going to be looking at a lie We're going to be looking, actually, it's kind of a a half-truth that the enemy has in this world today. I call it whitewashed truth. That That whitewashed truth says something like this. Jesus came to this earth, yes, and he did teach and preach and do miracles, yes. And he did die, and he was raised from the dead so that we can go to heaven so that our sins can be forgiven and so that we can go to heaven. That's all true. But that's not the whole truth. And what we're going to be talking about tonight is the whole truth. That truth, I call it whitewashed, watered-down truth. I grew up with just knowing the watered-down truth. When I was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, that watered-down truth didn't, didn't help me in that place I was sick with stage 4 cancer. When Jenny asked me if I was saved, it was like I totally planned on dying because I bought the lie. The doctor said I had six to nine months to live, and I bought that lie. But then she started telling me the whole truth. I only knew part of the truth. And she said, Cindy, are you saved? And my only reason for praying that prayer of salvation was to get me to heaven. I wanted to make sure all my bases were covered. I didn't know that salvation included healing. I didn't know that salvation included 
body, soul, and spirit, not just spirit. So we're going to go to the Bible today, and we're going to look at the whole package. It's a great, great exchange. God exchanged all the garbage of the world for all the abundance that he has for us. Every bit of it. So, lesson purpose. When Adam and Eve committed the initial sin of disobedience towards God, the enemy gained authority over the earth and mankind. When sin entered the world, the effects of sin tagged right along. Sickness, pain, fear, poverty, etc. But Jesus redeemed us from sin and all the effects of sin, including disease and pain. He just healed pain just here now. He paid the price in full with his blood, with love. Satan has diminished this biblical truth in the world by dispersing the half-truth that Jesus died so that we might be forgiven of our sins and granted eternal life after we die. In this lesson, we're going to look at God's word and the complete package of redemption that Jesus purchased for us with his blood. So, let's go back to the beginning. Genesis 1, verse 1. That's about as close to the beginning as you're going to get in the Bible. Genesis 1, 1. When God created man, he gave us authority over the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Turn the page. Maybe you don't have to. I do. Verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay, couple of things here. First of all, when God was speaking, he said, let us make man in our image. God said, let us make man in our image. Why did he use a plural pronoun? Jesus was there, right? Later on in the New Testament, it talks about Jesus being there from the beginning of the world. Jesus was there. The Holy Spirit was there. Abba, Father, was there at the moment of creation. And he said, make them in our image. We were created in the image of God. We're a three-part being. We're body. We're soul. We're spirit. And he gave us dominion. That word dominion means supreme, complete authority. Supreme complete authority and he gave us dominion over the earth he gave us dominion over all of the earth and every living thing in the earth he gave us dominion and then verse 28 repeats that and he says subdue he said uses the word subdue fill the earth and subdue it the word subdue means to conquer and bring it under subjection and everything was good adam and eve had everything that they needed they were with, they were in communion. They were in fellowship with Father God. They, they hung out with them in the cool of the day. They had dominion, but not for long. Let's look at chapter 3. 
Genesis chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. I don't have the scripture on the screen, but I'm going to read verse 17 of the previous chapter for you. This is what God actually said. He said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat it. You shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. What did, what did the woman do when she repeated that back to the serpent? She added to it. She changed it. She said, we can't eat it or even touch it. That's not what God said. She moved out of agreement with God. And she moved into agreement with the enemy. This is what she said. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For surely God, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. So she moved out of agreement with God and into agreement with the, with the enemy. Now, God had said that at that point she would surely die. She did. They did. Spiritually. Because they were separated. It was at that moment that they were separated from God. And the enemy took dominion. Would you turn with me to chapter 4 of Luke? This is a really interesting scripture. That shows the evidence that, that the enemy had dominion over the earth. This is in the account where Jesus was in the desert and he was being tempted by the devil. And I'm going to start with verse 5. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. The dominion had been delivered to the enemy way back at the fall of man. Think about this example. If you own something, if you have a title deed, you own it. If somebody tricks you out of into signing that deed over to them, then who owns it? They own it. That's what the enemy did. He took that title deed from Adam and Eve and from mankind. And it became the enemy's title deed instead of man's. But God had a plan. God had a plan from before the beginning of time. Would you go to the book of Romans, please? We're going to be hanging in Romans most of the night. And when we get here, we're going to stay in camp. 
Romans 5, verse 12. Sin and the effects of sin and death came into the world through one man. We were redeemed from the curse of sin through one man. And that's what this, this whole chapter is about. Romans chapter 5. I suggest that you take it and read this this week. We're going to be really dwell, dwell, delving in to this scripture. First, let's look at, at verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. So who is that referring to? Adam. Adam, the first man. Sin entered the world and death through sin. Spiritual death as well as physical death. Sickness and all the junk. Death and all of its children. All of the evil in this world eventually became rampant like a, like a, a big snowball starting tiny and, and rolling and picking up and picking up and picking up. That's what we see in the world today. We see just yucky, yucky stuff out there. So death and sin came through one man. Would you, we're going to stay in chapter 5, but I want to look at chapter 8 for just a minute. 8 verse 2. This is the reverse. This is the reverse of chapter 5 verse 12. Just as through one man's sin entered the world and death through sin. Look at what 8.2 says. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So in, ver- in chapter 5 verse 12 it says that sin and death came through one man. Sin and death came through one man. And 8.2 says, but, but... The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So let's talk about those two laws. Let's talk about, first of all, the law of sin and death. What does that include? Sickness. Pain. Heartache. Poverty. Everything that's not good. Everything that's lacking, everything that, that, that takes us away from the being in that abundance of the, of the blessings. This, everything, thank, thank you, everything that takes your eyes off of Jesus gets us distracted. What is the law of, of life in Christ Jesus? What does that include? Yes. That's God's best for us. And we're going to look in a minute at another scripture. That's God's best for us. Wholeness. That's how we can give God glory. Abundance. Wholeness in our bodies. Wholeness in our souls. Absolutely wholeness in our spirits so that we are in communion with God and in fellowship with Him. Spirit, soul, and body. Every area of our life. Okay. At the bottom of page 21, it says, Through the blood of Christ, which provided for your salvation, you now live under the law of the spirit of life. You have been freed from the bondage of sin and death. There's a big 
but we need to appropriate it. <laughs> we need to receive it. We need to take hold of it. That, that gift of the law of life through Christ Jesus is, you've heard me say this before, it is the potential for everybody. It's the potential for everybody out there in any situation, any culture, any race, any denomination, any religion. It is the potential for everybody. That's God's best. That's his desire for all of us. But it's not actual for everybody. Because in order for it to be actual, for it to be mine, for me to take it, I have to receive it. I have to receive Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. I have to believe. That's my only job is believing. God did all the rest. In this Bible study, we, we look at God's part and we look at our part. Today we're looking at God's part. God did it. He completed it. Tom. Has made me free. Amen. It's a done deal. It's a finished work. Amen. Okay. Turn in your Bible study to page 22. And this is when I want you to get out this um, sheet of Roman scripture from Romans 15 through the 21st verse. This is often the Amplified Translation. And this is what I'm going to be reading from and just kind of delving deep into. And the reason I wanted to give you this is because um, we're not going to put these scriptures on the screen. What we are going to be putting on the screen is that same little chart that you see in your book. We're going to go through this scripture one verse at a time. As we read each verse, what we're going to do, this is where it is powerful. It is so clear when you see this. We're going to look at what was lost through the fall of man. And we're going to look at what was redeemed through Jesus, through the redemption of Jesus, through him dying and raising from the dead for us. Because according to the, what I see in the world and according to what I used to think, it seemed as if what the devil did was way bigger than what God redeemed us of. Because the devil came and took control and stole dominion and all of that, and then all hell broke loose in this world. Sin and sickness and death and yuck and yuck and yuck and yuck and yuck. And then Jesus came. And Jesus redeemed us, supposedly. He did. We're going to get there. Absolutely. Beautifully. But if we believe the half-truth, that the enemy, you know, the whitewashed truth, then all of this, the enemy did more than what Jesus did. And that's just not true. That's a lie. And so we're going to look at the scripture to see it. The enemy didn't out uh, trump God. Oh, no. Oh, no. It looks like it, but that's because of a lack of knowledge. So when we look at what God's word says and get that knowledge, then you'll have something in you to stand on in faith. That's how faith is raised up in you and birthed. When you say, oh yeah, that's my God. The enemy, he's nothing compared to my God. Okay, so get ready. When we're doing this in your book, I want you to write in your, in your own chart, 
what Adam what was lost, what was gained. Okay, first verse, Romans 5:15. But God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is out of all proportion to the fall of man. And that doesn't mean on the on the, I doesn't mean the devil trumped. It means God won. Okay? Four. If many died through one man's falling away, his lapse, his offense, much more profusely did God's grace and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound and overflow to and for the benefit of many. Feel free to write all over this. I mean, if <laughs> this thing I've, I've written on, crazy. But feel free to write down, write all over this. Underline much more profusely. It, this, this gift, this amazing gift, can't even be compared. There's no comparison because the gift is so much more. And this gift, it says how much more profusely did God's grace and the free gift that comes through that grace. Huh. I was reading this this morning, and I can't tell you how many times I've read the scripture and just meditated on the scripture. And today he showed me, he said, Cindy, it's grace and the gift. And they're not the same thing. Grace is the undeserved favor because we don't earn it. We don't have to earn it. We're going to go there many times in future lessons. We don't have to get perfect. We are made perfect through the blood. But the grace is that. And then he gives us this free gift. He gives us a gift. I looked that word gift up this morning. And the word is charisma, which is Holy Spirit gift. He gave us this precious Holy Spirit gift. There's another scripture I just feel I need to go back to just a second. And this is also in Romans chapter 5. It's verse 10. Let me read it to you. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, it is much more certain now that we are reconciled that we shall be saved. And that word saved is sozo. Saved, healed, and delivered. Saved, healed, and delivered. So that gift, the grace and the gift, is fullness of everything God has for us. And it says it abounded. It says through the, this one man, Jesus Christ, that favor abounded and overflowed. Abounded and overflowed. It's not just enough. It abounded and overflowed. So, in Adam's trespass, what was lost? In verse 15, what does the Bible tell us? Because of one man's falling away. What? Um, what, what fell away? The, the, the left side of the chart. Many died. Many died, yep. And what happened because of the redemptive gift of Jesus in verse 15? We got grace. 
we got grace, free gift, undeserved favor. Good stuff. I should have put these on all separate lines. Okay, the next one, verse 16. Nor is the free gift at all to be compared to the effect of that one man's sin. For the sentence following the trespass of one man brought condemnation. Whereas the free gift following many transgressions brings justification, an act of righteousness. So there was one sin, and as a result of that one sin, what, what was the effect? Condemnation. That word condemnation, this, is what, this was on the left side of the chart. This is what happened for um, when, when Adam's trespass broke that, um, that relationship that we had, and we had spiritual death. That word condemnation means a damnatory sentence, eternal death. A damnatory sentence. That's where we were before Jesus. We were damned to eternal death, separation from God. But what was the gift? What was the result? Justification. And this was after many transgressions. Think of all of the people and all of the transgressions. And all of the people in the past and all of the people that are living now and all the people that are going to live and all of the transgressions. And the gift so far outweighed the, the trespass, the condemnation. The gift is justification. And that word justification means it is a judicial sentence. It's a, judi- uh, a judicial word as well. And the word justification is a sentence of God for us. But it's a favorable judgment. And in that judgment, he acquits us. And he declares us acceptable to him. We don't have to earn it. But we're acquitted. We're set free from the charge. Doesn't mean we didn't do it. Doesn't mean we didn't make mistakes. But we're set free from the charge. We're justified, just as if we'd never sinned. That's good news. So we get justification. Okay, we're in verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, lapse, offense, death reigned through that one, much more surely, highlight it, it's already underlined, but circle it, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace his unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Oh boy. (laughs) This is packed with great stuff. First of all, though, what was lost through one man's trespass? Death reigned. But for those who receive, and notice we have to receive it, for those who receive the gift of the grace and the free gift of righteousness, what do we do instead of reigning in death? Yeah. We reign as kings in life. Not just in life. We reign as kings in life. We reign. We have 
I want to make sure I, I give you the right um, definition. We exercise the highest influence. We have control. We exercise kingly power. We reign as kings in life. We are kings and priests. That's what the Bible says. We have inherited the authority from Father God. We have dominion. We're going to go there in a minute as we get beyond the scripture. We reign because we are, have inherited the authority to reign. So before they reigned in death, now we reign as kings in life. We have righteousness. Righteousness is a position. It's, not, it's a noun. It's not a verb. It doesn't mean you have to do, you have to act righteously. It doesn't mean that we have to, well, in order to be there, in order to have this, this being able to reign as a king, I have to do something a certain way. Uh-uh. Righteousness is a noun. We are righteous because of the grace of Jesus. We are in a position of righteousness. Okay, can you see how Adam's trespass is kind of puny compared to Jesus' redemptive gift? I'm going to keep going. Verse 18. Well then, as one man's trespass, one man's false step in falling away led to condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and right standing with God and life for all men. So what was lost in the trespass? Condemnation. What was gained? Three things. Acquittal. Keep clicking. Right standing with God. One more. And life. Acquittal. Being set free of the offense. Right standing with God. With God. We weren't able to be with God before, but now we are. God's here now. He's with us. He's in us. He's upon us. He's around us. He's holding us. He's carrying us. He's loving us. He's touching us. We are with him in that position of righteousness. And we have life. That word life is Zoe. I always have to smile at Becky because that's her daughter's name. <laughs> Zoe. Zoe, God's kind of life. The fullness of life. The absolute fullness of life. God's fullness of life. God's plan for life. Okay, verse 19. For just as by one man's disobedience, failing to hear, heedlessness and carelessness, the many were constituted sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many will be constituted righteous, made acceptable to God, brought into right standing with him. So because of the trespass, many were what? Sinners. Constitute, constituted means to be um, appointed, to be made, to be created. But we weren't. We're not sinners. We have been constituted. 
We have been appointed. We have been made. We have been recreated. Righteous. I have a question. How? How are we made righteous? Is it through our own doing? No. No. We are made righteous. We are made acceptable. But it's exactly what we're talking about. It's by the redemptive work of Jesus. It is not by us. It's by grace. Verse 20. But when the law came in, only to expand and increase the trespass, making it more apparent and an exciting opposition. Just like when you tell a little one not to do something, they're going to want to do it. So when law came in, sin was more apparent. People became sin conscious. They became conscious of all of the stuff that was potentially there for them to get tripped up on or that they were getting tripped up on. But... Where sin increased and abounded, here's the good part, grace, God's unmerited favor, has surpassed it and increased the more and superabounded. So sin, yeah, we see sin out there. We see a lot of sin out there. We see sin here. I mean, it's not that it's not here. But grace, grace has superabounded. Let me read it from the scripture again. It says, has surpassed it and increased the more and superabounded. To abound means to exist in abundance. So sin existed in abundance. It does exist in abundance. But grace surpassed that. Just superabounded. Superabounded. And the final verse of this section of scripture is verse 21. So that just as sin has reigned in death, so grace, his unearned and undeserved favor, might reign also through righteousness, right standing with God, which issues in eternal life through Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One, our Lord. What was the result of the trespass? Sin reigned in death. And what was the result of the the redemptive work? Life. Eternal life. It issues in. The grace, his grace, issues in eternal life. Let's talk about that word. Eternal life. Forever Zoe. Forever Zoe. Eternal life begins the very moment that you receive Jesus at your, as your Savior. This is the whitewashed truth that I didn't know. I thought eternal life started after you died. That's not true. Eternal life, the God kind of life, the eternal life that begins at the point of receiving Jesus at your Savior, as your Savior, and goes on forever. We're living right now. God's kind of life. Do you think God's kind of life is sickness? No. Do you think God's kind of life is, is um, being consumed with fear? No. No. I have the precious gift of seeing people come to know God's kind of life and become new. 
because they're receiving it. It's the potential for everybody. But until you receive it, you can live in a lot of junk. God's kind of life. Forever Zoe. So the provision of the cross was a completed work. This scripture in Romans stresses the supreme adequacy of the redemption provided by Jesus Christ to undo the effects of the fall. Isn't that good? It shows the supreme adequacy of the redemption to completely undo, completely undo the effects of the curse. The curse was reversed. The curse was um, completely changed. What the world believes about Jesus' dying and resurrection is like putting a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. But the truth is, the truth is that that gaping wound was completely healed by Jesus. It doesn't just need a Band-Aid. Jesus did it. Jesus completed the work. He restored us completely. It's not just a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. That's what the enemy would have us to believe. And it is a lie that is in the church, the Christian church out there, that Jesus died for a part of taking care of us. Jesus is bigger than that. He completed the work. He did a good job. The complete provision of the cross is to take care of sickness of the spirit, separation from God and sin. It is for sickness of the soul, of the emotions, to make us whole in our emotions, in our soul. And the provision of the cross is to make us whole in our body, body, soul, and spirit. He didn't do just one part. He didn't just do the spirit. He, he provided for the whole, our whole being. Okay, I would like to go to a couple more scriptures, and then we'll wrap it up. Would you go to Colossians, please, chapter 2? Mm, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read the little uh, paragraph where it says Foundation 5. Jesus canceled out and wiped away the legal decree of Satan's authority on this earth, which he had gained through deception. Jesus disarmed the bad guy, Satan, and won the battle when he died on the cross. Satan thought he was destroying God's son, but oh no. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb who shed blood saved us from the destroyer. Surprise, Satan. You lose. God reigns. Amen. Okay, let's look at the scripture. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Turn one more page. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified. Having canceled and blotted out and wiped away the handwriting of the note bond with its legal decrees and demands which was in force and stood against us, hostile to us, this note with its regulations, decrees, and demands, he set aside and cleared completely out of our way by nailing it to his cross. So that, that verse is referring to the law, the sacrificial system, the old way, 
that wasn't God's best for us because we were still separated from him. That was when we were in the position, before we knew Jesus, we were in the position of being sin conscious and worrying and thinking, oh my God, I can never be good enough. Well, no, you couldn't. But Jesus did did the work so that we are. That was canceled out. That not being good enough was nailed to the cross. That's what the scripture says. Just picture that for a minute. Any junk in your life, past, present, future, nailed to the cross. Verse 15, God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in him and in it, the cross. Good news? He disarmed the enemy. He disarmed him. The enemy was stripped of power to hold us captive to evil's dominion against our will. He was stripped of power. And when we come to know that, we become righteousness conscious instead of sin conscious. I just felt something really powerful. I don't know what it was. I'm just going to stop for a minute. Mm, Father God, I know we're not done with this word, but there you're doing something here, so I'm just going to stop. I thank you, Father God. (laughs) I thank you, Father God, that we were redeemed from the curse and you nailed death to the cross. You nailed our lack to the cross. You nailed helplessness to the cross. You disarmed the enemy. You defeated him. And because of what you did, Jesus, we have eternal life. Father, I pray for each one of us now that we get it. We don't get it in our heads, God. We get it in our hearts. And the fullness of your truth, the fullness of your plan is revealed so deep in us that there isn't any more question mark. We let go of the thing in our brain that says, I don't, I don't understand it. And we receive the amazing gift of your completed work of grace. Amen. Okay. Just one more scripture. Foundation six. The beginning, God created us and gave us dominion. The dominion was handed over to the enemy, but received back more, more, more than what was lost through Jesus. He disarmed the enemy. It was all the junk was nailed to the cross, the law, the condemnation, the all the stuff was nailed to the cross. Enemy was defeated. Jesus had the authority. And then let's look at what happened. Matthew 28.
verse 18 and 19. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, before the apostles waited for the power of the Holy Spirit to be deposited within them and upon them, he gave them authority. He said, all authority has been given to me. And then he said, therefore, go. Gave it to them. They couldn't go and do that on their own. They needed the authority. He got the authority back from the enemy and gave it to his kids. We reign as kings in life because we have that authority. We now have dominion. We now have supreme, complete authority. But we need to use it. We need to exercise it. And we'll be talking a lot about that and showing you how. For personal reflection, this is just something you can take home and chew on over the week. There's a couple of things. The first one is to reflect on all you've received through the redemptive gift of Jesus. Make a list. Again, I didn't know everything I'd received. Just go to that Roman scripture and just meditate on all the good stuff that you've been given through the redemptive gift. And number two, there are a few words that we've, I've thrown around quite a bit today. Do a word study, if you have time, on these words. God's grace, acquittal, justification, and righteousness. Those are all part of that amazing redemptive gift that Jesus gave us. Tom, can you go back just a couple frames, and then we're going to pray, to the chart, all filled in. You probably have to click a bunch of times to get there. They're all perfect. What do you see visually on that chart? Jesus' side is bigger. Jesus' side is bigger. (laughs) Yes. Jesus' side is bigger. So much more. So if I can leave you with one point today, it is that the enemy came, and yeah, he's here, but God so much outstripped the enemy. God so much outweighed, out-trumped him. God's a big God. We sometimes, I think, think he's not. Because we are dealing with some really big stuff, some difficult things. But this is the truth. This is the truth. And when you come to know that truth, the receiving part is done. If you've received something amazing, raise your hand from God. If you've received something amazing, yeah. I've seen so many lives changed. If you've been healed of... um, cancer raise your hand look at guys i was at lunch yesterday and one of the teachers out of the blue said (laughs) i didn't even know she she knew had read my book she said so i have a question she said are you saying that you were healed just because you prayed (laughs) i mean nothing led up to this it was like on the table at lunch 
And I smiled and I said, well, I, I, was, I believed, I had faith. Yes, I believed that I was healed through faith, through believing in what Jesus did. And then she looked at me again. She said, have you ever seen anybody else healed? <laughs> Do that again. Raise your hand if you've been healed of cancer supernaturally. That means either without medicine or because God supernaturaled the medicine or because the diagnosis changed. Look at guys. God's a big God. He's a big God. If you've been healed of anything else that's besides cancer, I tend to go there because I know a lot of you are dealing with cancer. Raise your hand. Praise you, Jesus. Kent, will you? I know that you're still taping. Could you get um, the grace song up? Let me just um, pray a blessing over you because he's taping this so that it can go on video for other people who aren't able to be here to watch. So I'm just going to close with prayer and then we're going to praise God with his beautiful song about his amazing grace. And then we'll be available to pray. Father God, I just pray a blessing right now of everybody here. I thank you for your word that went forth tonight, God, and I thank you for your presence. I thank you for that grace. So amazing. We receive it, Father God. In simple childlike faith, we receive it. I pray a blessing, Father God, upon each person here that they are overwhelmed with the knowledge of who you are and your love for them and your grace. Father, build us up in that place of grace. Build us up in knowing it. In knowing it in a deeper way. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.